Amen, amen, amen. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that the anointing is your license to heal. You, the anointing is your license to heal. Amen. I was thinking about the old James Bond movies. Remember the 007, everybody in that category of agent had a license to kill. Yeah, just like a driver's license, you know, had a license to kill. I had a, a license to hurt a little bit, but I never, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> slap a brother around a couple of times, whatever, you know, learner's permit, maybe. But uh, anyway, but we have a license to heal. And what do I mean when I say license? That means you're free to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. You're free to do that. Once the anointing comes upon you, you are free to obey what the anointing is telling you to do. Amen. You don't have to call and ask anybody. You don't, <laughs> unless you've been surrounded by a couple of witches like poor Sheree was. Poor Shetty. <laughs> she had to confront a few witches. But you know, you'll find out that you have words to, to correct that too. Amen. <laughs> the anointing does all of those things. So there are many, uh, uh, there's several words I wanted just to go back over with you, uh, redefining them, that uh, these are terms associated with the anointing. These are things that, that where you'll find in the Bible that the anointing produces these things. Um, number one is heal. The word heal actually means to restore from illness or disease. Another word means to cure, and it also means to make whole. So when a person is cured or made whole, there's nothing wrong with them anymore. And you'll see that was a trademark of Jesus' ministry, that it wasn't like a gradual convalescing type thing. The anointing is able to pull all of that together immediately. Now, we don't always see it that way. We don't always experience that, but their potential is there. If you have faith for an immediate healing, you'll get it. Amen. See, most of us have faith for a gradual thing. You know why? Because the immediate scares us to death. Huh? Seriously. Uh, there's, a, there's a built-in fear in, in carnality. You know, the part of us that's still carnal. There's a built-in fear of the immediate, the, the uh, 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 instantaneous, the miraculous. There's a fear there. Why? Because you have no control over it. See, we like what we can control. And we like things according to our experience. We want to be able to expect whatever it is that's coming. And we, we, we... very few people have enough trust in God to just let him go and let him fly and do what he wants to do. We always want to put brakes on it. You know, I notice sometimes when I'm driving, when I'm riding as a passenger, if the driver is getting closer to the car ahead than I usually get, I'll find myself pushing my foot down. Sure. Because that's our experience and that's how we handle things. And so we love to have the control. But see, in God's world, 
we do better if we let go of control and trust God completely. You'll see some things that you never saw before. Sometimes when we're when we're when I'm working at the altar, I can tell when God wants to do something different and the person is expecting it the same way it was the last time they came to the altar. See? You'll be in a flow as a minister trying to get them to get get the new experience and then their mind is telling them it's got to come like it does the old way. Robert Laird said that his grandmother didn't like the idea of using her faith in the word to get healed. So she always wanted to come up to the altar and get hand laid even though she was full of faith in the word and could pray and see miracles. But she still felt like she needed that. So God will honor it. If that's your point of contact for you to release your faith, then that's what it is. But I'm telling you that in Jesus' mind, everything is instantaneous, immediate, right away. Amen. But he will kind of what what I call dumb it down a little bit. (laughs) That's a bad way to look at it. But he'll temper it and turn the volume down a little bit to accommodate us. Somehow how much he loves us and how much he wants to see us well. Amen. So so uh, the words, the first word was therapeuo. T-H-E-R-A-P-U-E-O. It's a, if you, you have a Strong's concordance, it's a Greek concordance, word 2323. It means to restore from illness, disease, and infirmity. The second one is diasothem. Diasothem. It means to be cured and made whole. That's your Greek uh, Strong's 1295 is a number on that word. Then 4982 in the Strong's Greek concordance is sozo, which means to save. So we've got physical healing from disease and infirmity. We have a cure to be made whole. And then we have to save, to make safe, well, or to get well. That word sozo also means to be intact. Nothing missing, so it means restoration. The concept of what the anointing brings is that the person receiving the benefit of the anointing is safe and sound. They are preserved and they have total recovery. The word sozo also means to increase or establish well-being. So there's no limit to how well God wants us to be. If he's going to increase your well-being, that means there's no limit to how well God wants us to be. So he doesn't have a ceiling on what he wants you to expect from him. And then there's no ceiling on what the anointing will produce. So the anointing does all this and more. And the anointing that we have was first described in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. So we're going to turn there. And the anointing really begins with your words. Begins with your words. And Luke 4 verse 18. The backdrop of this is Jesus has been 
in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. The Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But he was led after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested or tried. What's being tested? The strength of the anointing. Not you. <laughs> We'd flunk every time now, wouldn't we? <laughs> but what, what God is doing that in the tempt, testing is training us. He's putting you through your paces so that you will choose his side and then get, get under the power of the anointing every time. He wants us to do it consistently. He wants whatever God wants uh, calls you to do. He wants it done all the time. He doesn't want a faith accident here and there, and he don't want a, a misstep or you do something and God shows up and you get scared of God and don't do it no more. That's what the old time Pentecostal people did. Who God showed up and did so and so, and you can tell by the way they said they wish he sure wouldn't do it again. That's the truth. When Jesus went up there in in, uh, in Gennesaret and he cast some uh, devils out of that that guy, and they went into the pigs and they saw all them pigs acting crazy from this one man's devil, they told Jesus to leave and don't come back no more. They should have been saying, you know what? I should get him to come pray for Annie because she a look crazy all the time. You understand? Know she just keep her clothes on. You know, you understand what I'm saying? She's just an inch from where this brother is. But instead, they get fearful because, again, when you can't control, you're scared of. Amen. So they saw what that power would do and what that anointing would do, and they got scared of it. So I don't know what this man might do if we get him loose around here. huh? He might come in my house and start disturbing everything. Uh, I got pigs too and ain't supposed to have them. But anyway, in Luke chapter 4, then Jesus comes back from the wilderness and he's in church. Uh, Not because he's getting anything from being there. Uh, This is something you have to understand was unique to Jesus' ministry. This is not... For believers now, because I believe God has a place for everybody to worship where you can be fed. Do you understand me? We aren't so broken as a church system that we can't feed our sheep. I think a lot of people don't want feeding. They want different things when they come into church. Huh? You know, they, everybody's looking for something different. And as, as ministers and, and as people who are, are, say, elders and leaders in a church, you can only provide what God ordains you to provide. You can't provide everything for everybody. And I think this is where the church gets an error. We try to coddle people and try to serve up something that God has not told us to serve up. Because just like they came into your church and walk away and, and curse you and all that kind of stuff, they'll do the same at the next and the next and the next church. Amen. Some people are just church hoppers. They're not, you know, they don't want to stay, get planted anyway, anywhere. They'd have to change. They'd have to grow up. They'd have to mature and start being responsible. So many times people, they just want to whine and complain and 
And then people hear that and they'll repeat that nonsense. You know, you see that sometimes people say, well, if you've been hurt in the church, they didn't stay long enough to get hurt. Try doing 30 years like we've done. You understand what I'm saying? You talk about hurt, you're going to get hurt. But you're going to get healed too. That's life. You understand me? That's life. Church is not a perfect place. Church is a place for imperfect people to learn to grow into maturity and perfection. Amen. If we would go there for what God sends us there for, we'd be fine. We'd be fine because it does provide what we need. But Jesus went into the synagogue and and he was, verse 14, if we'll start there. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. He went up full of the Holy Ghost, 4 verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. And verse 14, he came back in the power of the Holy Ghost. He didn't lose anything by that experience. Well, maybe you can rethink how you feel about your wilderness. You don't got what you want. You want it real bad. Well, that's your wilderness. Uh, You know, that's about as bad as it gets for for us. Ain't nobody down here really suffering. We just can't have what we want when we want it. Uh, Like God is Santa Claus. You can't get what you want when you want it from Santa Claus either. He don't come but once a year. At least God, you can talk to him all the time. Amen. Jesus was not diminished by his experiences. Negative experiences, I'll put it that way. He didn't lose anything from being tested. We go through a little difficult. I don't know if I'm going to ever get. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Smelling like smoke. Huh? He was not diminished one little bit from his experience of being tested in the wilderness. Now, if he was tested, we got to be tested. You know, we get insulted sometimes when we find out God is putting us through our pain. Well, the last time I went through this, I said I wasn't going to go through this again. Well, you said wrong. You're not in charge of this. God's in charge of this right here. So Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and, and the fame of him went through all the region round about. Hmm. Y'all want to blow up? That's how. Yeah. Let God do it with his anointing. Uh, I said let God do it with his anointing, not with your PR people, not with your TV appearances. Not with your uh, big mailing list, but let God do it with his anointing. Huh? Why was he famous? Because he was like nobody else. That's why you famous where you are. See, you think people just hate you, but that's fame. I'm going to live forever. Huh? Right. That's how you do that. With the anointing of God. Oh, you all famous if y'all get get with God and do what he tells you to do on a regular. Huh? You think them people at work hate you? You famous. 
Huh? Let me go talk to some Presbyterians. Yeah. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Huh? The devil knows you. Huh? I went to a meeting years ago, and I, I was young in the ministry. You know, and it, see, the anointing's the same. If you move in it, it's a threat to the devil. I don't care how little you know, how much you know, how long you've been at it, how short you've been at it. It's a threat to the devil. That's where the fame comes from. And this woman came up to me and she said, um, God told me to come here, she said, because she said, the devil, she said, I have a great fear of the devil. I think my house is haunted, she said, but he told me to come to you because you ain't scared of the devil. Amen. You understand me? And that was true. Why? I used to be, but he taught me my wilderness experiences and just depending on him for everything. Huh? I wasn't even in a church and I cast devils out. I remember driving in my car one time and my gas pedal resisted me. Huh? And I realized, I said, Lord, this is something that's not supposed to be here. And he said, just tell the devil to leave your gas pedal. And I said, devil, let my gas pedal go. And it went right on down. The devil will kill you if you let him. You understand? And see, I wasn't even knowledgeable that much about the word, but I was still a threat to him. When Jesus was a baby, he was a threat to the devil. When Moses was born, he was a threat to the devil. They try to kill you before you even get started. That's why now I look at the devil, I say, you should have killed me way back when, when, you know, all the times. <laughs> my million, my million uh, close calls, huh? When I was a kid, I was all, my mother told me, she said, your teeth stayed broken out in the front. She said, because you used to fall all the time. You know, the, the devil trying to kill you. I remember I had a big scar in the front of my leg and I asked my mother what happened she said oh yeah that was that time you fell and it was full of gravel and I picked it out and I said you picked gravel out of my leg I remember a thing praise God I shut up in a refrigerator almost suffocated almost drowned two or three times you're playing with kids in the swimming pool I'm the one that they got to call my mama because I almost drowned you know what I'm saying and so I said, well, devil, if you could have killed me, you would have killed me by now. So you can't kill me. So just leave me alone. Huh? All, all the time on his list somewhere. I'm coming off your list. I ain't thinking about you. But you will have to exercise authority against the enemy. Uh, let me tell you a little tip. If you learn how to live holy, the power will work. It don't work for people that, that have a quick temper and flare up and go off on people and always dabbling around in strife and stuff like your authority doesn't work like that. You want to work it when you want to work it. And it's like an alcoholic. He want to get drunk when he wants to want to be sober. Well, you have to leave all that alone. You understand me if this is going to work? Anybody tell you that? <laughs> huh? So Jesus comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit to keep the power alive in you. You have to continually yield 
to the spirit of God to keep the power alive. For me, it was a matter of survival. I just wanted to stay close to God because I didn't like being on the devil's turf. You understand? I didn't like him. I didn't like serving him anymore. I didn't think it was cute to cuss here and there, even though sometimes I did. You know, it's because I slipped up and did it. It wasn't because I thought it was something to do. You understand me? You just hate that stuff. And you stay over here on God's side so that you can stay alive, so that you can prosper, so that you have peace of mind, so that you can have comfort, you can have the fruit of the Spirit. You can have all those things. And and that's what you have to do. And so Jesus, when he was tempted, it was to make sure that he made the right decisions every single time for God. Just like us. We're to make the right decision every single time for God. So he went and returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And the fame of him went through all the region about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Now this is not to say that you can get up in anybody's pulpit and go teach. They're a protocol for how to, to get qualified and trained in the ministry gift office. But there is a ministry for all believers. And you can do that. That's where your license to heal comes in with the anointing. Is on a believer's level of ministry. I function as a believer all the time. When I'm not here, you think I don't talk to people about the Lord and, and minister to them just because I ain't in the pulpit? I, I'm a believer when I'm out there. Huh? I'm just like you. Huh? Last night we ran into a man, just a miracle of God, just how God moves and and helps people. This man, we had had met him coming from conference last year at the same, same gas station. He was in a bad way and he needed prayer. The same guy standing there this time again. I walked toward him. I was just putting something in the trash. And he looked at me and smiled and was saying, hi. And I said, hi. You know, the angry widow again, you know, kind of stuff. You know, straighten it up. But he looked familiar. And we find out. He's the same gentleman needing prayer again. He's had surgery recently, and he was just in tears. He said, God, he really, really does love me. He, let, he asked Pastor Shirley to be his mom, and that was fine. She said, yes. <laughs> One more, doesn't matter. You know, but his mother passed away at 41. Lonely. You know, he needs somebody to talk to, know that they care about him. All of those things. But God had us meet him at the same place, the same, and Tanya recognized him. I kind of recognized him, but I couldn't, and I thought to myself, that couldn't be the same guy. You know, what are the chances he would show up here again at the same place needing prayer? He's grown since then. He's had some good experiences, but he's had some mixed ones. But he said, I listened to those tapes that you all gave me, and I read my Bible. And I said, well, God wants to help you again. Amen. Amen. All you have to do is is obey the little bit he gives you and he'll give you more. Amen. He'll make sure that you get more. So God is is there to do things and help us. But in that capacity, I'm a believer. I'm an ordinary Christian uh, looking to do the will of God wherever the door opens to do that. 
and we have a license to do that. We prayed with him right in the uh, right in the store. We got uh, Big Howard to come and and help us minister to him, lay hands on him, and pray for him, and and it was all good. And and uh, you know, and I don't worry about who I could care less who don't like that in that store, huh? You can throw us out. We got a bus we can preach in or we'd do it on the streets. But, you know, blessed are you if you don't disturb us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> People get all embarrassed looking around. I ain't looking around nothing. I, you know, you know when the anointing starts to stir up because then two drunk devils coming in, looking in the beer cooler trying to disturb everything. Huh? They left too. They they didn't even have to be asked to leave. They know to leave. So, amen. Amen. Your father owns this earth. Are you kidding me? The earth is God's and everything in it. You think I'm going to blow him setting that up just because I'm scared of whoever owns this store? They need me. I don't need them. I pray anyway. I pray on the street. <laughs> bathroom not bathroom i don't care so anyway but you do what god tells you to do and so that anointing then becomes your license to heal we're licensed to heal that man amen amen through the power of the holy spirit you know people get funny you can't heal nobody i didn't say that i said i got a license to do it that's like you ain't no car but you got a license to drive one i don't have to I got a license to use that anointing. Are you kidding me? People. <laughs> Don't you love people? Praise God. So it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Oh, boy. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. And there was delivered unto him the books of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why? Because he said it like it was real. Uh, and just to confirm it, he said, uh, this day, anybody, if any of y'all got some doubts, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words. See, this is what what people don't like about the anointing. It causes such disturbance in the natural order of things, it makes them wonder. People would rather do anything than wonder and not know. People like to know. If you meet somebody who uh, is a stranger to you, you can have a good interaction with them. But there's something in you that will want to make a decision about them sum up who they are with one word they either nice not nice flaky uh, uh kind friendly standoffish think they better than you 
your mind wants to categorize and pigeonhole people so it can feel secure around them. You got me? Everybody does this. We make our judgments and determinations about people, and we don't realize they're just like us. Some days you cool, some days you not. Huh? Some days you want to speak, some days you ain't you like that. Uh-huh, thought so. So instead of making people all the same, and then we have to let our judgment go, we'd rather hold on to a judgment. Huh? You can tell people are judging you. You know what they say, especially with Christians. Oh, they change so much. Like they changing for you. Well, who made you to judge over there? Like maybe God likes them raggedy and acting up and crazy, just like they are. Just like He likes you, being perfect and huh? You perfect? He loves you. They raggedy and crazy. He loves them too. What difference does it make? Don't you love all your kids? The crazy ones as well as the, huh? Right, that's right. Well, what's the what's the diff? <laughs> so anyway, so Jesus was there in the synagogue, and he said this. He said, and "You will in verse twenty three. You will say to me, this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Physician, heal yourself. When people first find out you're anointed, they will judge you." As to whether or not what you're doing is of God. And they'll look at you for faults and flaws. uh, And say why don't you. You know and they'll question you. Did did God. uh, Did he he bring your husband home yet? Did Did he heal your sick mother yet? See that's the physician heal yourself. They don't want to accept that you're able to do anything other than what they're able to do, which is nothing. Zero. Zip. Nada. Huh? So, so your own family, your friends, people that know you will be the last to expect you to be able to do anything good in God. Amen. And don't try to convince them. It's not your job. Your job is to use your license to heal wherever it is needed to be healed. So we are licensed to heal in many areas. You're healing. The license is first initiated. The way you start using this license is through your words. The first element here is to preach the gospel. The gospel is always good news. As far as God's understanding of good is concerned. So the gospel isn't always you're going to get rich, you're going to get blessed, you're going to be this, going to be that. We all know that. But the gospel is to tell somebody something that will bring a freshness or newness to their life. That they can be encouraged, they can be built up, and the end result is that they are healed in some way. Now, what do we mean by heal? Sometimes healing means to be restored. People sometimes can be fragmented emotionally, mentally, in their soul. You know, they're thinking one way one minute and one way the next minute, a different way the next minute. And so when when the anointing comes in is to bring all of that together into a a bond of peace where you leave that person peaceful with your words. And your words have to be confident. They have to be definitive. It has to be God's answer. 
That's why I tell people, I said, the, the gifts of the Spirit are your best friend. You don't have to have all wisdom, all knowledge. All you have to do is all have all confidence in God that he'll show up and help you to help people. Amen. Your license to heal with the anointing comes with the package of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to help you to have answers for people. You don't have them. You can't memorize that whole Bible and try to spit it out to people and that don't help them anyway. If it's not specific to their situation, what good have you done? Huh? What good have you done? And so you need that word of knowledge so that, or word of wisdom, so that you can prophesy or speak out the word of the Lord to people and bring healing, wholeness, and soundness to them. This is what happens when we have church, when there's preaching of the gospel. There's a healing a wholeness and a soundness that comes amen when you when you sit under the especially the place you're assigned to be huh because your life is kind of like a soap opera it goes on from week to week and you're on a road going somewhere and every week there are challenges well you go to the house of god and hopefully there's a message for you that helps pull it together for you so you leave out of here peaceful with hope and encouragement understanding that God understands where you are he's helping you to get to the next place and he hasn't forgotten you and you're still in the race amen Amen. you don't want to go somewhere where people are constantly telling you you don't qualify now this is a temptation in churches people have done it for years you know we we went to dead churches where nobody was saved and we weren't either and we were condemned every week. Or you went to a church, you finally got saved, and they preached salvation every week, which means they had to take your salvation away from you at some point to keep you interested. I was always in doubt. You know, I realized when I started listening to Word of Faith people, they started teaching you how to use the Word instead of trying to get you unsaved and then saved again every Sunday. You moved on to maturity you moved on to something else but churches are good at condemning churches spirit-filled churches will condemn you on certain things they get stuck down the street and they can't pull themselves out and they take you down there with them they did it over the tithe huh i don't consider people to be members of this church if they don't tithe oh really you mean the blood of jesus didn't pay for me well, you can you can unmember me if you you can unfriend me if you want to. You understand what I'm saying? Just unmember me. I don't care. I still belong to God. I'm still blood bought. Amen. I don't have to be a member of your stinking church. If I want to see you, I see you on television. You're always sticking your face up there. What difference does it make? You know the same people do it. They don't even talk to their members. And don't have good pastoral support to even help their members. So what good is membership doing me and your little stinking organization? Be a member of nothing you got going on and you're too hateful. Huh? The God I serve looks to include people. Huh? He's big enough to embrace everybody. I don't care your level of faith. I don't care your level of whatever. You don't have to have a certain level of faith to please God. You just got to use what you got. Huh? 
Now all of them are backpedaling on their old teaching. Huh? You know what the problem was? They were nervous about your money. Care if y'all say yeah or not. And see, somebody like me, I'll keep you nervous about my money. You're not supposed to be banking on my money anyway. You're supposed to be banking on him taking care of everything. Take me to the bank. Uh-huh. Not that I'm not going to give to God, but I just don't like being manipulated. Somebody looking at me and trying to figure out if I'm going to give, and they got to put the hammer on me so I can give more. You're cursed with a curse. No, there's no curse on my covenant. I don't know what kind of covenant y'all living under. But mine is curse proof. Ain't no curse on this no more. You know how I can tell? Because I can tell witches to get up and they'll leave. That proves ain't no curse on my life. I got authority over they little curses. <laughs> it's too much fun, ain't it? Sometimes I'm telling you. People are so crazy. But see, y'all buy their books and they got they multi-millionaires. It's all right. Still love you. No love lost here. Just wise up, okay? So just because somebody giving you a good story, that don't mean they got anything. <laughs> yeah, I work out too. I see them now. They all working out, getting all healthy and stuff. I work out too. When I get there. <laughs> I do 10 minutes on that machine and 10 minutes on that one, and I'm done. 20 minutes all together. Working on And I got a personal trainer, the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, Barb, get on up. That's enough. We've done enough for the day. I said, cool. Making me crazy and sweat me and all this kind of stuff. We ain't going there. And God knows I never did like to sweat. I sweat more now than I ever did. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the first evidence of your license, it shows up on your words. Amen. Your license to heal. All words that are anointed are healing words. They're all healing words. They will do something to the human soul. The first, the first, even though the word of God heals our flesh, the Bible says that, the first operation of healing is on the soul. Your soul's got to be touched before your flesh can get it. Now, how do we know that? Because the Bible tells us the way to get healed physically is to meditate on the word day. And that's an operation of the soul is meditation. So you can't like be screwed up up here a whole lot and get anything in your physical man. Because the devil will talk you out of it. Huh? The minute you get, if, you're, if your soul doesn't come back into normal alignment with God's word and get healed from the anointing, then the minute you step out of the realm of where that atmosphere supports the word of God, you'll lose what you have. Because it's easy for you to get talked out of it. All you got to do is see uh, Oprah master class and you get talked out of everything. Huh? Them new age people on there and 
you've got greatness in you and all this old crazy stuff people are talking about now. You know, you say that to somebody who's barely paying their bills, they don't believe that stuff. You telling them that for? You need to tell them how to get close to God and get their soul healed so they can believe God to take care of them for day to day. Why are you talking greatness to somebody who ain't looking it, feeling it, thinking it? I don't want great. I want my bills paid. You know, suppose that's where you are. I don't want great. I want my husband to come back home and act right when he get here. They talk all this nonsense to people. I'm thinking, I said, what do the, what do the normal people, where do they go to get help from God? Where do they go to get a word? Huh? You know, you you have a great life now. Are you kidding me? You see how people live? Drug addicts? I don't know of a family that has not been touched by drugs. And that was just an uncommon thing years ago. Now, we ain't for greatness. Save that for somebody else. Save that for somebody is for. But greatness, I don't know about. But I do want my children healed. I do want my children to serve God. I do want them to get off drugs. I do want them to be normal. I just want a normal household. I don't want to be great. Good gravy. Talk that yuck and people don't get no greater. They don't get no bills paid and they don't get no, you know, that's just something to fantasize about for a minute. Let's get real here. So your words come to bring wholeness, soundness. I'm thinking people are very unsound in their thinking these days. You want wholeness and soundness. And that's what the anointing does. It brings a a normality to a person's mind. So the gospel being good news or a good letter or a good report comes through the anointing. Anything the anointing touches, the end result of it will be a good report. The end of it will be good news. The end of it will be peace. The end of it will, it'll straighten everything out, in other words. You have a license to use that. So you have the power on your words to straighten out every bad situation. Huh? Well, I don't know about that, Barb. I mean, just some people are so messed up, they ain't coming to you. God will send to you the people you can help. Amen. Are you scared of messed up people? He ain't going to send you none. Amen. Huh? You messed up yourself and don't know it. Seriously. And this is the other property of the anointing. It changes you to another person. So you don't have to really know nothing. All you got to be is available and learn how to work with God and yield to God. Rule number one. Don't run your mouth too much. Know when to shut up and let God tell you something first. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Man, that what the Bible tells us? You sit there and wait for God to give you something to say. It's not hard. It's called humility. No, I don't, you don't have all the answers and we don't look like we have all the answers. Uh, sometimes people are baffled at what we can say to help them and how much it helps them. You are there to preach the gospel to the poor. What does that word poor mean? Actually, it means to be broke materially 
and spiritually, spiritually destitute. It also means to be humble and desire to receive. So the poor in spirit or the poor materially are people who humble themselves and have an open door to receive. Now let me tell you where you get in trouble and where I get used to. I don't anymore. I learned how I can wait forever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have a zeal for God, but I ain't chomping at the bit to run out and try to find somebody. You know what I'm saying? And, but I can tell you that when people want something from God, they know how to ask for it. You don't have to fight with them and argue with them to get them to hear what you have to say. I mean, in general. Now, some people just kind of crazy. But, but I'm talking about striving with people, trying to force them to receive from something from God. That's not the anointing. The anointing, when you notice when Jesus, when they came to Jesus, if, even if it was obvious what was wrong with them, he would ask them, what do you want me to do? Because people make you a little crazy sometimes. Trying to force the obvious on them. You know, I was praying for people at a a healing meeting. Healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G meeting. A lady, they sat on the front row. She had an obvious infirmity. She had, uh, um, I think she was on a crutch or something like that. And she came up and I asked her, I said, what do you want me to pray for you? Well, I just want my kids home and a financial blessing. And I want to take that crutch and <laughs> kick it out. Oh, you want to get up off the floor now? You want to be healed? This is a healing meeting, lady. It'll shock you, the people that don't want to be healed. Just saying, y'all. You understand what I'm saying? Just saying. So this is why, and and really, your the the person's confession is really what gives the anointing permission to work. Write that down. You don't get permission to use the anointing unless that person confesses what they need. You cannot force it on them. Why? There has to be a door of faith opened for the anointing to enter into. And it enter, enter ends by their confession, just like it does with you and everybody else that, that lives by faith. So they must say what they want or the anointing will not get it to them. Amen. It will not get it to them. So your license is invalidated if somebody is not humbling themselves. And, and able to articulate what it is they desire from God. If they say they want one thing and they don't have faith for it, they won't get it. So if God is there and, and available and the Holy Spirit decides you need to be healed first, you're going to have to get that first before the rest will fall into place. So really, with the anointing, it's the meeting of a need with the power of God. Where there is permission, faith, and ability for that need to be met at that time. So there's an order of things in a person's life that the anointing, the anointing will organize your life. The anointing is not going to materialize and manifest millions to a person who's not faithful where they're at. It's It's just real. You know what I'm saying? Then God is not telling you to buy lotto tickets so you can 
somebody told me to do that and make sure you pray about it first I said oh I don't have to I prayed about that a long time ago it's there to heal the broken hearted people who are everybody's got a broken heart your your first disappointment broke your heart so you, we all have a history of disappointments where you expected something to happen. It didn't happen and you felt crushed by it. And so Jesus has an anointing to help that. Why? It's such a common thing in life. And it disturbs people's souls to a degree that we have no idea. You know, things that we sometimes consider small things can halt a person's desire to even live. And you don't even understand it's done that kind of damage to them. Huh? So we have a license to, to bind the brokenhearted, to, to find them and bind up their wounds, to help them to get to the place where God, they can trust again. And they can trust God and they can step into the arena where God can be their companion and their friend. That's the best, that's the best help you can give anybody. Is salvation and an assurance that God will help them and God will be their personal friend. Amen. So then Jesus himself steps in and takes the place of that person who discouraged them or disappointed them or didn't come through on what they had promised they were going to do for them. You know, this is why it's good to when you're when you're a believer. Now we have the power to make good on our word. Don't overcommit yourself. As a believer. Because then it's twice as bad. Because they have the feeling that God's let them down. Amen. And so we have to make sure. That, that we when we say things. And most of the time. God will put you in a place. Where you'll just be stretched in your faith. Enough to help people. But you won't oversell yourself. huh? You won't oversell yourself. Not that anybody wants to do that. I don't think people really want to do a whole lot. For anybody anymore. We have such selfish ways of living now. Everything is geared toward us and our comfort and what we want to do and not geared to ministering, serving, and loving people. So we're there to bind up our, their wounds and heal, heal the brokenhearted. How? Through the anointing, through our license to heal. When we operate in the anointing, then, then we can, can move into that realm where the power of God is there to put a broken life back together again when you understand the power that you have in God you will spend less time wondering about you and more time making yourself available you know the deception of the devil is to make you think that you need so much that you don't have anything to give to anybody and God will have you step into an arena where what you lack is available to you huh we know you don't like sister so-and-so, but that can't stop you from praying for her because of the anointing. You have a license to heal. Take your license out and use it. You're not using what you have. What you have is not going to help her anyway. Huh? Hey, listen, people are people. I don't care. You know, God puts his love in our hearts, but that doesn't mean it's available to people all the time. But the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and cloak you and shield you from your crazy flesh and your crazy mind that don't like people. 
remember something. I don't know what that was, but I I remember now. Um, we 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 had a Bible study. I forget. It was we. This was before we even had our Bible study in a church. And um, your friend from uh, Omega Church. Remember the girl that used to come and um, she, I'm trying to think of her name. But but we had helped her do some things at her church or something like that. Shoot, she used to. No, not Dorothy. It was another lady. She used to come by, and and uh, you know I was. She had asked for prayer, or something like that. She we were getting ready to pray for people. I was going to lay hands on her, and so when she was talking about, we had we had made up a lot of stuff for her to do a women's program or something at the church, and and she was yeah, and she was giving her report, and I was getting ready to lay hands on her, and she was saying, and I thought she was going to say, and, and I used all the stuff y'all gave me, and when she said, and Sister So, and Sister McLaren came up and helped me, and I was getting ready to lay hands on her, and my head did like that, Sister McLaren, I will shake you all over this Bible, we did all that work for you, and we were the ones who put all that stuff in there, but the anointing. See, I learned how to stay in the zone with God, even though your flesh can get stirred up and want to June, want to, that, that, that flesh will want to jerk you right out from under the power of God. And if you don't learn how to work with the Holy Spirit, you'll be up there in the flesh. You understand what? Because we'd have had a choking good, a choking party. <laughs> around there that day I never expected her to say that I thought if she was going to go and give us some credit and thank us for doing everything and I was are you kidding me that's just how fast it moves sometimes but I learned that I was there I had a license I take it out use it the best I can and what I lack God supplies he supplies the Bible says when Jesus healed people, it said he was moved with compassion. It didn't say he had compassion. He was moved with it. Where did it come from? From the Holy Spirit. Whether you got it or not, he's got it and he will move you with it so that you can obey him and do what he wants you to do. You can do all of this through Christ who strengthens you. I used to tell people, I said, the anointing is like a dance partner. You don't have to know his name. You don't know, have to know where he learned how to dance. All you got to do is learn how to follow his moves. Amen. Just follow his lead and dance with him. Amen. And you, you know, and you can flow with the Holy. There are many people who had tremendous healing ministries. And if you listen, read some of their writings, they just get up and preach salvation sermons, and God would show up with a healing. And they knew it was time to heal people, and they worked with it. You got me? It's only in the last forty or fifty years of word of faith teaching that we got so smart. Now we don't have as many healing ministers. Something to think about. You can smart yourself out of a lot of things messing around, you know. So anyway, you're here. You, the anointing will heal the brokenhearted. Bind up that you have a, a license to heal broken people. Don't be afraid of them. And don't sympathy them. You all know what I mean. You know, laying hands is one thing. You don't need to do all of that. Rubbing people and come on now. 
Let's get real. And I'm not a cold person. I'm not an unfeeling person. Whatever that means. I'm just me. But I know what I got a license to use. I know I'd rather use that any day than to try to console, rub up on people, console them and all that crazy stuff. You did that in the world before. You rub me, you're going to get rubbed back. <laughs> that messed some heads up. <laughs> Sounded like my mother. Huh? I mean, some things are just the flesh. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean anybody, but you know what I mean. Think about it or don't think about it. Let's move on. Okay, so we preach also deliverance to the captives. Authority over the works of darkness. The anointing. You have a license. You have a license to take authority over any devil you see anywhere, anytime. They, I don't care who they're in. They don't belong to them. They belong to the king of darkness, the prince of darkness. Amen. So you have authority over his kingdom. You can cast the devil out of anything, anytime. You know, people say, well, you know, I just, something's wrong in my house and, and I'm just living there with, with my in-laws, but there, I mean, it's a lot of devils in there. Whoop, cast them out. But it ain't my house. You want to live with them? You got a choice here, my friend. It ain't their house either. Once God steps in there, it belongs to him. Suppose he wants to have freedom in there. Are you going to let him have it or what? You can take authority anywhere, any place you want to dislodge devils. They don't own nothing. They're trespassers everywhere they are. You can invite them in. You can invite them out. Recovery of sight to those who are blind. That means physical blindness. Huh? I remember praying for a lady one time. And she, she couldn't see. And I remember Morris Cirillo said, I pray. And see, this is where you'll get smart or you'll say it's not for you. I quote preachers who have success all the time. Because I don't have, if I don't have it there, I got to find somebody who does. Huh? Morris Cirillo said he prayed for a lady one time and, and God told him to tell her to look for light. And that's my word. To anybody who's blind and I pray, well, look for light. Huh? And she looked and she stumbled around that, that building a, about an hour without any, and then finally she screamed from the, I see light! Huh? And gradually the rest of her sight came to her. Huh? God will do it every single time. We have a license to minister that to people. It's not too hard for God. Our problem is we want to try and figure out if we can do it. We didn't already establish we can't do nothing. Amen. But we step into that place and use our license. Uh, you take out your license to do it. You can't do it all the time. You don't do it all the time. But you have a license to do it when it's necessary. So we are licensed to heal in many areas. And we should appreciate and minister in the full power of the anointing that Jesus gave to the church. This has been given to us, folks. You start first by believing it yourself. You start working on your own self to believe these things are possible. And that God is not, is not given to you as your possession because you're this or you're that or you're not this. You talk yourself in and out of everything if you leave it up to what you qualify for. 
but it's in the Bible. God wants us to have it. And there are people out here who need the benefit of it. And that's all there is to know about it. That's all you need to know. You do the things that you need to do to, to make that valid, to make your faith strong in these things. You read and study the word. You come to church regularly. You listen to tapes. You listen to the things that build up your spirit. You pray your prayers. I think probably one of the best things you can do is pray in your prayer manual regularly with your prayer partner. And that way you have the faith for these things. And your faith stays active and strong. It doesn't wane and go up and go down. If you're consistent, your faith will be consistent. Amen. And you'll find without even trying, you don't tolerate sickness. You hate sickness. You want it to, to, to leave people alone. In Luke 4, we're just going to go down through the book of Luke, I think, because I found a lot of examples here. In verse 31, now you, you need to know that Jesus preached in, let me see, where's with power? Ah, there we go. Uh, let me show you what happens to you when you're anointed. Um, just the power of your words. You don't have to be working a miracle or nothing, just talking. That's all Jesus did here was talking. Verse 23, they said to him, he said to them, you will surely say to me, this proverb, physician, heal yourself, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. That's tempting God, but they do it. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, and the heaven was shut for three years and six months, and a great famine was throughout the land. And but none of them, uh, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save to Sarepta, a city inside, and to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and nobody got cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. And they heard that, and because they thought they were special people. They get mad at him and want to kill him, want to throw him off a cliff. Huh? Now, if, if, I, if I come to Miss Avis and say, Avis, I just, you know, I don't like that what you got on today. Huh? See the reaction? Thinks it's a joke. My powerful words. Are... But see, that's what normal words do to people. When your words are anointed, when you use your license to preach and your words are anointed, they have that reaction to people. All Jesus was doing was telling a story. And they got mad enough at him to want to kill him. In verse 27, it says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs. So he gets him and tells him to follow him. And he got up and followed him. Why? You ever tell somebody come here, you ever tell your kids to get up and take out the garbage? Do they move? Well, that's a miracle, but you understand what I'm saying. Human flesh don't move that fast. These men are sitting around with jobs, families. You know, you know, you know Peter, his old lady probably hard on him because he's hard as hell. You know what I'm saying. He said, we following the master and Messiah and we ain't, I ain't going fishing. You ain't going fishing today. You better bring me something home. But they got up and followed him everywhere that he went. These were unlearned men. These weren't synagogue guys. You know what I'm saying? The scribes and all them people waiting on the next open door to, you know, the next big title and all that. Them, 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 them kind of people. 
He didn't call them people. He called ordinary, everyday men to follow him. To He didn't know where. He said, I don't even have a house to live in. But y'all follow me anyway. Same thing we all do. Huh? True followers don't follow him for what they can do for him. They follow him because he said, follow me. Huh? He says, Levi made a great feast in his house and publicans and sinners were there. The scribes and Pharisees, there again, you know, they want to throw him off a cliff. Now they sit and criticize it. Everywhere you go, this is what happens with the anointing. When, when you pull your license out and use it, all hell wants you to stop you from using it. They hate it. They hate it. They hated it on him and they'll hate it on you. And he says, they said, why are you eating with these people? You, you know, if you're a holy man, why aren't you around holy people? Because <laughs> he couldn't find none. <laughs> he hadn't been to the synagogue already and left. It's a thought. He said, these people need me. That's why you minister. Because people need you. Not because of what they can do for you. God, please help us to quit trying to find famous people to come to our church. Another entertainer we can prophesy to. Good gravy. Man, help us. You don't have a license to prophesy to Jay-Z. And if he wanted a prophecy, he'd go to church. Luke 4.31 Jesus answered and said to them they that are whole need not a physician but they who are sick he says I didn't call to come the righteous call the righteous but sinners to repentance hold on a second I think I skipped a page I'm sorry I should be over in 4.30 amen Jesus I'm sorry in 4.30 it says Jesus passed through the way that was good though wasn't it (laughs) all them stops you make they rose up to throw him out of the city and he came down to Capernaum in verse 31, a city in Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished. Underline that word because that's what they say about you. They are astonished at what comes out of your mouth. Why? Because it disturbs them. Your words are with power. That's how Jesus could get 12 men to leave their occupations. That always gets me about modern day preachers. Well, I want full time ministry. You got to give full, Jesus full time attention. Now, what you, you don't want full time ministry, you don't want to have to work a regular job no more. I can't guarantee you're going to ever do that. Huh? Didn't Peter and them continue to fish? Huh? Peter's old lady sitting at home, you better bring some of the, the minute that face flashed in front of him, he went and got some fish, trust me. And Jesus helped him. Jesus said, hey Peter, I don't want to get you in no trouble at home, let's go fishing. We'll get enough so it'll hold you guys for a while, y'all go sell it, make enough money, keep the old lady happy over there. He is not going to disturb your household. He'll disturb a little bit because if, if they ain't saved, they're going to be disturbed. 
but he'll keep everything intact. If it gets broken, he'll bring it back together again. He can fix anything he breaks. You got me? His word was with power. How do you tell there's power on the word? Because of the effect it has. Because of the fruit. The effect that it has on the healer, I mean the hearer, and because of the fruit it brings. Amen. In verse 33, it says, In the synagogue there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Now, Jesus didn't say anything to him. He showed up with his license. The devil can read your license. He's seen this before. And he knows it ain't going to be good for him. You got me? So they react to it. Now, I, I developed a, an attitude over the years where I don't let devils talk loud. Amen. I told the Lord, I said, I don't want them getting a lot of attention. If I have authority, I want to use it. I just make them shut up from the beginning. I don't want them talking to me. Amen. And he honored it. We're not here for a show. Amen. And we're not here to embarrass people. You got me? And so it, it said, and they cried with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you? Well, they're begging to stay where they are. Why? They got more confidence in the anointing sometimes than we do. Huh? They know they got to leave. That's why they get all disturbed, start talking, moving furniture around, anything to pull you over into the flesh so that you don't deal with them spiritually. Hmm? I see it and never fails. You know, this is why we, we kind of take people aside to minister the baptism in the Holy Spirit to them. If you do it in a crowd of people, somebody's going to get loud, going to come and, and stand around you. You understand what I'm saying? Wanting to have something to say. It was like last night. Where did them drunks come from? We were the only ones in the store for the longest time. All of a sudden, we get ready to pray for this guy. You know, you take out your license. You, and then all the devils show up. All of a sudden, they want to buy beer. Uh, so we just politely waited and stood in our authority. They will leave eventually. You got me? They, they will sometimes try to disturb you and talk you out. But once they see you're going to stand there in power, they leave you alone. Uh, you just keep standing. Man. Your license is also a license for eviction for all devils. Amen. You got a license to evict. You just like the sheriff. Huh? You put them out time you want to. Verse 33 the man with the unclean spirit, a spirit of an unclean devil, cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. They know their time is short. What are you going to do with us? You're going to cast us out before the time? They know everything. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. The devil threw him down in the midst and came out of him and did not hurt him. And did not hurt him. They have the potential to hurt people if you play with them and let them get loose in a meeting and start doing stuff. This is why I don't put up with it. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Because they want to hurt people. They want to harm people. And they want to, people to believe that they have more power than God does. And so when you do it under the authority of the anointing, you do it with the anticipation, nothing missing, nothing broken, nobody hurt, nobody disturbed. You got me? 
You have full authority over these stupid devils and keep your authority over them. Don't play with them. Don't ever think they're interesting. When the first time the, the disciples cast out devils, they came back to Jesus all excited and in the flesh. Ooh, even the devil, we got even authority over Jesus. Oh, I saw him fall. He don't have no power. He said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. He said, don't get excited about casting out devils. I mean it. Don't get excited. He said, don't marvel that the devils are subject to you. That's baby stuff. Huh? He said, but marvel that your name is written in the, that's the miracle. You're the miracle, not what you can do in my name. You got me? You're the miracle. Let's get real here. So, so Jesus then, okay, so there's, a, there's an example of him taking authority, casting out devils. We said to bind the brokenhearted, deliverance to captives. Amen. And that also means the forgiveness of sins. Deliverance. You preach forgiveness of sins, folks. You need to know people's problem is sin. It ain't, uh, uh, you know, political stuff and is not uh, their poor upbringing. Uh, they problem sin. That's what, you know, if you get that, you get all the bad upbringing. You get all the fragmented mentality. You get everything when you get that. You understand me? Sometimes, it, you, you know, it's, it's not what they do. It's what's done to them. Is <laughs> sin, but the same problem. See, once it gets on you, you don't want it to get in you and start working in you. You see, people who uh, uh, were molested as children start molesting people. Why? That spirit works in them, and it'll work again. It'll make friends with them and convince them they have to do the same thing. You got me. So you you have to get rid of that kind of stuff. So in verse thirty five. We see the devil did not hurt the man because of the anointing. That's what God wants is for people not to be hurt. You'll see all kind of stories about people wrestling with devils for hours. You don't wrestle with anything for hours. The anointing, will, you either believe the anointing will do it or it won't. And many times those people are not anointed doing what they're doing. They have no confidence. They're scared. And the more you scared you are of a devil, the more you work him up. So if, if you ain't the one, just leave stuff alone. You understand what I'm saying? Just apologize, <laughs> Mr. Devil. I mean to rile you up. You know what I'm saying. Just leave stuff alone. You know, if you know you ain't the one, you ain't the one. You just stepped into something. And see, people will stir devils up by calling them out. And devils are liars. You think you come, I call this lust spirit. And he said, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Ain't even no lust devil. He just, this is, you know, if you want to be their entertainment, they'll let you be their entertainment. Huh? Didn't the sons of Sceva do that? Huh? Heard about, heard about Paul casting them out. And they decide they're going to go cast some devils with no anointing. They stripped them naked, beat them, and chased them out of the house. They said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Huh? You don't want to be in the who are you crowd. You want to be in the known crowd. Huh? 
<laughs> you don't allow devils to run anything. In verse 36, it says, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, said, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he command the unclean spirits and they come out. And then he got famous again. Every time you pull out your anointing, you get famous. Huh? And I'm not talking about millionaire status in a TV show. I'm talking about real fame. Huh? Heaven, earth, and under the earth. That's where you want to be famous. Verse 38. Then he arose out of the synagogue. You see, Jesus was just ministry after ministry after ministry. You see anywhere where he had to go rest and somebody laid hands on him to replenish him? You start preaching and people offer to do that. Say, you know what, I'm good. Where they get stuff from, I don't know. You know, I, I'll pray sometimes. I'll bless and protect people and all that kind of stuff. But I don't. You see, Lord, just give her back what she gave out. I ain't gave out nothing. I used my license. If I'm tired, I go lay down. I go nod in the car or something like that. But then when it's time to pull the license out, you pull it back out again. It hurts you none. It didn't cost you nothing. I used to, well, you know, preach at some women's meetings sometimes, and the boy, they see you come, and they, everybody, well, let's lay hands on I said, no, you don't. Nope, no, thank you. No, thank you. I started having to put it in a letter. Please do not lay hands on Reverend Williams. Don't have your team doing nothing to her. I didn't need y'all getting here, and I ain't going to need y'all the next place I go. Now, see, that sounds mean. But, see, I'm trying to protect my license so it works every time I take it out. Preachers don't roll like that. You don't have a bunch of people laying hands on you all. You got to get it from God. If you don't get it from God, you don't got it. You hear me? Let's cut these shenanigans out. You go to churches that are, oh, these are the elders. Let's get in a circle and join hands. I ain't joining nothing. Now, y'all, y'all, I, I, listen, I love y'all. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to help people, I know what I need to do to maintain myself to help people. You got me? It don't take all of that. What did Jesus do? He went somewhere by himself and got away from them and asked the Father for what he needed. Ask Jesus for what I need. You know, all my life people have been trying to get me under somebody. Who's your covering? Who's your this? Who's your that? You wouldn't know if I told you. His name's Jesus. You know him? You met him yet? He's yours too. You won't have to kiss up under all these apostles that don't have nothing and all these other people that don't have nothing and taking 10% of your tithe and then you broke all the time. Let's stop this nonsense. I'm a married woman. I'm under my husband. I don't get under nobody else. I don't need you. Last time I checked, that's called adultery. I don't, I don't need your nonsense. Just a thought. That's why preachers stay in so much sexual trouble. And there's nothing there. Well, we won't go there. It's not even a proper spiritual connection, so it winds up being carnal anyway. I need you. 
Verse 38. Let us do one more. <laughs> and he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. See, they're going home to Peter. They've been, they've been on the road for long. They don't know what they're going to meet when they get in there. But they know what they want. They want something to eat. You got me? Simon's wife's mother. I don't know where the wife is. Maybe she's speaking to him this week. Maybe she ain't. But We're going to deal with that later. His wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. So, so they're asking Jesus, this woman is really sick up in here. Now, you know, this ain't just no mother-in-law fainting on the bed thing. She's really sick. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He just talked to it, preached to the fever, and it left. What did he tell it? Told it to leave, and it left. And immediately she arose and ministered to him. Now this is the anointing to heal, to restore, to make everything well, to bring her back to her normal state. What was she doing right before she got sick? That's what it makes you do when the anointing is effective and working in people. You didn't see her gradually get up and somebody give her a bowl of soup until she convalesced for three days and felt better. What did she do right away? She got up and resumed her normal activity. She said, I think I was cooking dinner when I took sick. I'm going to go back to doing exactly. You don't miss a beat with the anointing. It puts you right back in physical, mental, and well-being condition. Most people getting better are going to slow walk it a little bit. She didn't slow walk nothing. That anointing hit her. Life popped back to her. Her soul got back to where she was before. And she got up and did what she always did. She cooked them some dinner. And that was the intention of them. (laughs) I mean, you get what you pray for. Even Jesus did. He said, dang, man, we've been on the road. We dusty where she at. And it's sick. Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, let's help the sister out. But you see, there's no convalescing with the anointing. Now, that gives you something to work on. Because mostly we allow people to be able to gradually get their healing. Stop allowing it. you got a license to not allow it to be gradual. you got a license to believe that it's instantaneous. Amen. So there's no convalescing, no recovery under the anointing. It pops you right back into your normal condition that you were in before sickness ever took over on you. It's miraculous, folks. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. The anointing is miraculous, and we've been given miracle-working power by the Holy Spirit so that we can do the works of God. Amen. Why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you. For allowing us into your presence, into your wisdom, into your knowledge, into your understanding about all things. Thank you, Lord, that the anointing is our license to heal all things. Not just emotional, mental, spiritual. We want evidence. We want things to change for people in their natural being. And we thank you, Lord, that as we understand these things... We grow in wisdom in you, knowledge, ability, understanding. We grow in every area so we can be effective for you, Father. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in us doing the work. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you are working effectually in us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer. And we're going to have our fellowship meal right after. Praise God.